Hey, let me welcome everyone watching online. We are really glad you're here. We hope you participate with us in the service. And if you've got your Bible, I hope you do. Um, turn in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're doing a series this summer, and it's called Faith Endures, Faith Receives. And it's kind of like two birds of a wing. But last week, before I began the series, I, I, I was troubled about something. And I spent 10 minutes talking about the cultural push to sexualize children that's going on around us today. Uh, you might go back and pick up the, that message. It was just about 10 minutes, but it was a biblical position, what's going on factually across America and uh, uh, how we as Christians should respond with the Bible as our guide. But uh, this week I saw a picture that troubled me and I felt I would bring it up again. But it's a picture either on the side screens or here. Uh, there we go, Skittles. Now, now, how many have kids or grandkids that like Skittles? Well, everybody. I mean, every time I see kids, you know, they want a piece of candy and they like Skittles. Well, why does the Skittle have to have the rainbow pride flag on it if not to encourage children not just towards tolerance. Listen, I believe every person is due respect. Every person is due honor. They're created in the image of God. But this is a pull towards children into a lifestyle that's unbiblical in terms of sexual practice. Um, this, this, this month, as I said, it's called Pride Month for what the world calls sexual minorities. Uh, and let me say this, as Christians, we are not fighting people in a war over sexual choice. I'll say it again. I'm not fighting anybody in a war over sexual choice. As an adult, we're free to make our decisions, what we choose to do. God has given us free will, and, and uh, uh, we may bear consequences for it, but God's given us free will. But I think it's different with children. Uh, as a Christian, I can tell you this. I try to live by the Bible. I hope you do too. I do my best to love all people. But I also try to speak the truth in love to people that would like to hear because I'm convinced that the root problem is in the Bible. And if we turn our back on the words of the Bible, we end up the mess that we're in today. And uh, listen, I talk to people all the time, heartbroken stories that have been pulled into a lifestyle that is sexually different from what the Bible would teach in terms of sexual purity until marriage and then marriage of someone of the opposite sex and be committed to them for life. I've talked to many, many people that have had great pain with whether it was a boy Portion. I talked to a young man last week, molested as a child. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I was, my heart is burdened this week, and I hope that you will join me in doing what we can to protect children from the influence of the world in this most vulnerable season of their life. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Okay, uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be making our way to Hebrews chapter 10, but the series is called Faith Receives. And faith endures and faith receives. How many like to receive things by faith from God? <laughs> Come on, everybody in the room. How many like to endure and wait on God to do something? <laughs> Not many of us. I don't. I want it right now. I don't know about you, but I am impatient at the microwave waiting for popcorn. 
<laughs> we'll talk about Abraham today. Abraham had to have, wait 25 years for God to fulfill a promise. And it's just not easy holding on to faith in difficult times, wanting God to change something in your life, change something in someone else's life or our culture, and, and it doesn't seem to be happening. Well, this is going to help you, uh, I think, a lot today. But the purpose of this series, I, I consider faith, uh, uh, it, it's a simple subject, but it's complex in many ways. And my purpose statement or my thesis for the series is this, and, and, and we broke this down last week, but I want to provoke you to have faith in God. Remember we talked about elevators, having faith in the elevator and the engineer, but first your faith is in God. Faith in God that's aligned with his will so that we can do two things. Number one, obediently endure our difficulty and then have faith to receive his promises, but it's in his timing. So this is what we're going to develop. This word faith, it, 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 uh, 243 times in the New Testament. I mean, I know that's a lot. I would even argue that it's one of the most important words in all of the Bible. It's faith is the way that we come to know Christ. The Bible says you're saved by grace through what? Faith. In other words, my salvation, the salvation of my eternal soul, receiving forgiveness of God is all done by faith. Walking with God each day is by faith. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's one of the most important words in all of Christianity. And today I want to emphasize enduring faith. I like the graphic lyric, uh, lyric made on this one. She showed it to me. And faith, faith at the top, you know, looks pretty strong, but then it wavers a little bit. And how many know faith wavers sometimes? That doesn't mean we cease to believe in Jesus, but it's like staying with it. Keeping faith in the middle of the problem is, is sometimes hard. Well, um, I'm going to teach you today about a faith sandwich. And uh, the sandwich has to do with the context of Hebrews 11. This is kind of a preparatory message because how many know if you like to read? My love, wife loves to read and uh, she likes to read novels, and uh, when she reads a novel, she starts with chapter one. She doesn't start with chapter seven. I mean, if you start with chapter seven, you don't know who the characters are. You don't know what's happening, what the plot is, and who's done what. You start at the beginning. Well, and you do that because of context. Well, how many know the same thing is with the Bible? When we start teaching about faith in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith is... We don't start there. We go back a little bit and see what he had to say before that. And then we'll even see what he had to say after he teaches about faith. Because Hebrews chapter 11 is one of the most inspiring chapters in the Bible. You will see probably 20 different characters or heroes of faith that will inspire you in your life. But yet endurance is the bread on both sides of the sandwich. So that's what I want to talk to you about today in this part two. And there's a truth. I have what's called a truth for today. And what my hope is, you know, in most times when you listen to a teacher or anyone else, most times you only retain 10% in a monologue, uh, monologue uh, uh, message where you're just listening. That's why I try to get you to interact, you know, raise your hand and, you know, repeat the words and things so it, it gets in you a little bit more. But this truth for today is what is the heart of what I want to communicate to you today. And it's this one today, faith that endures becomes faith that receives God's promise. And that truth is foundational, and I want to jump into it today, but I want to show you a picture of this faith sandwich as we begin chapter 10. Uh, how many can say that looks good before lunch? 
Uh, how many like tomatoes and avocados on your sandwich? Let me see your hand here. How many are pretty much just give me the ham and cheese, preacher, and I'll stick with that? Yeah, okay, so but how many say, I don't want a tomato? Well, you may lose your membership in our church. We are a, we are a tomato-believing church, and, and we like ketchup and, 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 and tomato, pot, like spaghetti sauce and all those things. Okay, well, you may think about that over the coming days. But anyway, I want you to see this piece of bread. The bottom piece of bread is chapter 10. It's endurance. Next week, we'll talk about a lot of what's in the middle, these great characters. And the top piece of bread is chapter 12, that's also about endurance. So let's see how Paul develops this. Uh, the book of Hebrews, when it was written, it was written to Jewish Christians. Uh, the book of Hebrews is one of the hardest books for me to read in the New Testament because it has so much of Old Testament practice. I mean, it's talking about priests and sacrifices and, 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 and Day of Atonement and all these things that are very Old Testament Jewish in nature. But yet, well, the problem was these Jews that had received this letter, they had believed in Jesus Christ, but it had been, this letter was written about 68 years, 68 uh, uh, AD, so some 30, 35 years after Jesus had resurrected from the dead. And one of the great themes, as I'll show you later, in the New Testament was, is that Jesus is coming again. So here was the reason the book of Hebrews was written. These people were thinking about going back to Judaism, going back to the Jewish faith because they were losing their faith in Jesus. Uh, their faith in, they didn't have enduring faith. And that's what Paul wants these guys to do is to know the superiority of Christ, that the promises of, the, of Jesus in the New Testament are greater than the old. And that's kind of the background here. But let's specifically now, Hebrews chapter 10 on this first piece of bread, verse 32. And, and this is the one that's got all the seeds and good stuff on it there. Um, he says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful. There's our word, faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Now, arguably, America was once a Christian nation. I mean, there's hundreds of monuments in Washington with Bible verses on them. We're being told the lie today that we were not founded, and most of our founders were not Christians, but it's a lie in our culture. Uh, my Fourth of July message will show you that in such a clear way. But uh, um, in the New Testament, they were under pretty much constant persecution. The same people that crucified Jesus, these Jewish authorities, uh, the Roman government wanted to please these Jews, and the Jews hated Christians, so they would persecute them. They would come in their homes. They would take their children if they wouldn't denounce their faith. I mean, it was, it was a tough place. And he was saying, though, in the midst of this, you had enduring faith. So then he goes from there. You were exposed to public ridicule. You were beaten. And listen to this one. When all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. Now that's a tough one for me. How many can say I like my stuff? I would not be pleased if somebody came in because I'm a Christian and somebody took my favorite shotgun and my duck decoys and my turkey rifle or turkey gun. I mean, I like my house. I like my car. But in their world, that was the push. It was that strong. But the crazy thing is they accepted it with joy. Now, here's what I want you to see. They were not happy that they lost their, you know, possessions. 
But, listen to this now, you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Now, you're going to see that same concept five or six times that the Christian's life and joy is not just found in this world, but we are living for eternity. We are anticipating going to a real place called heaven where you will have consciousness, you will have identity, you will not have the pain, the affliction, all that stuff. All this life is is a warm-up, and looking towards this was one of the key ingredients of enduring. Sometimes there is a price to pay to be a Christian. Today, uh, missiologists tell us there's between 250 and 300 million Christians that are being persecuted for their faith every day. And I don't mean just like getting uh, defriended on Facebook or unfriended on Facebook. I'm talking about severe stuff. But the tragedy is it's happening in America today as well. You, it, you can research stories and see. I mean, there's people who on their own personal Facebook page posted uh, 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 in, they were in favor of biblical marriage or traditional marriage, and they lost their job at the company. had nothing to do with the company. They lost their job because they were a Christian. Just last week, this is a hot story that's out there now. Um, uh, there were two elderly men. Now, think about this now, 73 and 80. Uh, I, I'm 66, and it makes me mad that I can't work in the outside as much as I used to when I was 20 and 30 and 40. <laughs> I love to work outside, but that heat just gets me. Now, I want you to think about a 73 and an 80-year-old man. They're in front of a Planned Parenthood in Baltimore, Maryland, and you know what these two evil men are doing? They're praying. They're not making a ruckus. They're not throwing things. They're not starting a riot. They're not interfering with the ladies. Guess what? Someone came up to them and literally beat them nearly unconscious, and they had to go to the hospital. Now, fortunately, a Christian legal group has arisen to their defense. But why did that happen? It happened because they're Christians. It happens because they believe that the Bible teaches that 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 a child begins at conception, and life is precious. And that's the spirit of the world that's coming upon them. Of course, you all know the story of the florist and the baker, you know, uh, wouldn't make a cake for a same-sex marriage or provide the flowers, and they got sued, and ordinances went to the Supreme Court. You know, of course, that kind of stuff is out there. On a personal level, I've thought a lot about the baker. And, you know, I have strong convictions. I have biblical convictions about marriage. I believe the Bible teaches clearly that marriage is between a man and a woman. It's to be a lifelong commitment, that gender is not confusing, that God assigned our sex at birth. It's pretty plain for me, but if I was in the cake business, I think, and somebody wanted me to do a same-sex cake wedding, I might do it and put Jesus loves you on every cupcake. (laughs) I mean, if they want to wipe it off, they're going to get a sweet taste when they wipe it off. But my point is, listen... People that don't believe like a Bible-believing Christian are not our enemies because all of us were in some way ensnared by sin. I, 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 I don't, my wife is just about perfect. She didn't have a crazy past like I did, but I was very worldly for about three years, and, and God accepted me. God accepted you. You know, you could have been, you just name it. A rapist, an adulterer, you could have been in prison, uh, you know, you could have done horrible things, you could have sold drugs, I mean, you know, you, you just, you could have done things that abused children, all these things are wrong, you know, and criminally wrong, but guess what? God loves us, He can forgive us, and He wants to give us a fresh start and help us become the person He wants us to be. 
He wants us to get off the wide path of destruction and on the narrow path of life. So that's how we, we, we as Christians should view all people. Um, but there is a price to pay. And again, this is, again, a big thing today that well, what would motivate a Christian to face persecution and suffering? And it's that verse 34. And I want you to remember, you were waiting for, uh, see, you were waiting or better things waiting for you that will last forever. You knew that there were better things waiting in heaven. And if earth is difficult, I can go through the difficulty with Jesus. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Now, the challenge is there's a lot of time, oftentimes, between God's promise or your prayer and the time it's answered or fulfilled. I mean, no, Abraham, you know, Abraham in the Bible is called the father of faith which means he epitomizes what it means to have faith in God. Well, how would you, he was 75 years old. His wife, Sarai, was 65. And God said, you're going to have a baby. Now, how many ladies 65 or older would like to have a child today? I I don't think very many. Listen, I had my last child at 42, and I couldn't keep up with her as well as I could when I had my first son. It's just like the older you get, childhood goes beyond you. But do you know they waited 25 years? She couldn't have children. 25 years to wait on God. That is a long time. And Abraham is upheld in the Bible as the father of faith, not just because of what he finally received, but the path he took to get there. And even his failures. We'll talk about Abraham. Abraham had tried to help God. And Hagar got pregnant. And you remember the story there. The Ishmaelites were born from Hagar, and they've been at war with the Jewish people ever since almost the beginning of time. Now, we talk about trials. Nobody likes them. Nobody likes trouble. Nobody likes hardship and difficulty. But I want to give you a flip side or a positive side of a trial. Listen to James chapter 1. A trial can cause you to either lose your faith or make your faith grow stronger. Now, I want you to listen to this. James chapter 1, verse 2. When you face troubles of any kind. Now, any kind is broad. Any kind is from, I don't know, failing a course, uh, going bankrupt, uh, having a serious uh, health condition that you lose your mobility, uh, having an accident, you lose your eyesight, uh, a, a, a death in a family member. I mean, troubles come in all different shapes and sizes because sin's in the world. But the Bible says there's an upside to this. He says it's an opportunity for joy. Not because you're happy about the trouble. If I fell off the stage and broke my leg, I wouldn't say, praise the Lord, I broke my leg. I can't move it. Ouch, take me to the doctor. But the joy would come from the fact that it drives you deeper in your relationship with God. A trial or a test can either push you away from God or it can draw you closer to God because it causes you to depend on God more. Uh, He says, consider it joy. You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance or your steadfastness, your perseverance in Christ has a chance to grow. And the Bible says, let it grow. So I want to encourage you, when you're in difficulty, don't just ask God to help me hurry up and get out of it. Let me get closer to you in the middle of it and let my faith grow stronger. How many know when you're, when you're, yeah, when you're lifting weights, there's a pressure against you, but that weight's pressure against the muscle makes it stronger. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. 
Now look at verse 37. Here we see this same thing again, this promise of why we're going to endure. In just a little while, the coming one will come. Now who is the coming one? It's Jesus. It's one of the greatest promises in the New Testament. And my righteous ones will live by faith. In other words, while you're waiting for Jesus to come, you want to live each day walking in faith. And notice what it says. And this is a little bit of a warning. I take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. So to turn away from God, there's backsliding, which is the, you know, the first step. Backsliding is when we, sin gets a hold of us. We pull away in the world. We probably still believe in Christ. But there's something called apostasy. There are two of the most serious chapters in all of the Bible that talk about rejecting Christ and turning away from him. It's called apostasy, and that's what Paul, is, or whoever wrote Hebrews, is afraid of. They're afraid that their faith is going to give up in Jesus. They're going to turn their back on him, and they're going to go to something else. So what he says, though, is you're going to have great rewards, better things. They'll last forever. Jesus is coming back if you hold on to this thing called faith. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. You know, one of the greatest promises in the New Testament is Jesus is coming back. Acts chapter 1, verse 11, uh, an angel told the crowd that Jesus was taken into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And I want to tell you this, Christian, one day Jesus is going to look at you for the first time. And one day for the very first time, he's going to look at you and he's going to say, hello, Dorothy, I was so proud of you what you did on this earth. Pat, I'm so glad you made it up here with me today. You did some praying, girl, while you were on that earth there, and I was listening to everyone one of those. And he'll go down and he'll talk about us. He'll talk to you, Pastor Mike, about the things you've done for the cause of Christ that nobody knew about, that nobody saw, but yet you did it as unto the Lord. We've got that to look forward to. Look at verse 39 now. He says, listen, guys, we're not like those who turn away from God. We are the faithful ones. Punch your neighbor and say, you're the faithful one. Now, it may not feel like it's, come on now. Little love tap, you're a faithful one. We're not like those who are going to fall away. Our souls are going to be saved. And why will they be saved? Because they had enduring, persevering faith through the difficulty. And I don't know about you, friend, but that's what I want to have. I want to keep on believing in Jesus no matter what happens to me, no matter what happens to in America or to my mortal body. I want to be found at the end of my days praising God just like I praised him in church today. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. Now, let's go back to the sandwich. And you tomato eaters. <laughs> Chapter 11 is what's in the sandwich. Leave that up there just a minute too. Now we've been talking about the bottom piece of bread. And that was chapter 10. Now we're talking about the tomatoes and the avocados and Abraham and Sarah and Noah and Moses and Gideon and David and on and on and on. There's about 20 of the most inspirational stories you'll ever hear or historical accounts in chapter 11. That's why I'm so excited about these series. But one thing they all have in common is, is God didn't answer them immediately. The promise was not fulfilled immediately. There was a period of time that they had to wait. Now, let's see this in chapter 12, the top piece of bread. You would think it's time to go on. When you go on to another chapter, you're going to go on to another thought. But that's not the case. Chapter 12 continues with this idea of enduring faith. 
And faith in God is how we endure difficulty and receive his promises. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Now, again, I know we've skipped 11. That's where we're going to go next week with all the giants of faith. But he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, who, now, who are these witnesses? Well, narrowly, they're the people of chapter 11. In other words, they, we watch the way that they live their faith, and the, the implication is somewhat that these people are able to watch us as witnesses. Now, I don't know if you can be absolute on that. I don't know if Christian grandma is in heaven watching down on you. I do know Jesus is watching, and he's praying for us at the right hand of God today. But these witnesses, these people that we were able to see, I cannot, I, I'm going to share on a personal note in a few minutes about a struggle I had with panic attacks and anxiety. And God is a delivering God. I thought, you know, there was a time when it was so bad, I didn't think I was going to make it, but God helped me make it. And I cannot tell you how many people came up to me and told me that because I was victorious, they believed they could get victory over the same thing. I mean, man, my wife had breast cancer. Horrible. Who wants to have breast cancer? Nobody. But she overcame that thing and started a website called morethanjustaboob.com. <laughs> now, you may say, well, preacher. <laughs> well, I got to confess, it was my idea. And I'll tell, you, <laughs> I, I'll tell you where it came from. We're in the doctor's office. How many know you get a mammogram and usually you get a letter in the mail the next week or so? But when they call you the next day and ask you to come in, you know something's up. So we went in that day and, I mean, it's all the nurses were standing up at the doors almost like it was a, a, a salute or a memorial, not a memorial, but, a, but an honor kind of thing. And we went in and talked to the doctor. Here we are. We're both with tears in our eyes. And, you know, I just put my arms around her and said, honey, you're more than a boob. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> I didn't say dot com at the time. But she had thousands of people connect with her. Because she made it through her faith in God, and they believed they could make it as well. She was a witness to their faith. And that's what Hebrews 12 is saying, um, these heroes. And listen to what it says, verse, uh, verse 1 goes on to say, because of this, let's strip off every weight. That is everything that gets in the way, that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with Endurance, there's your word, run with endurance the race God has set before you. So now he's still talking about endurance, but he's talking about weights and sins. Now, we know what a sin is. Everybody know what a sin is? Anybody have any you want to confess? You, got, you want to confess one today? No, okay. We all know what sin is, and we know what it can do in our relationship with God. I don't know about you, but when I sin, and I do sometimes, and it makes me ashamed I feel ashamed when I go to God, and if I keep at it long enough, pretty soon I'm not reading my Bible, I won't be going to church, won't be preaching sermons. Are you with me today? Sin controls you like meth does a meth addict. It can define and control your life. You think these pedophiles end up molesting children and spending 50 years in jail because of one view of pornography? No, it started with something small, and it got a hook on their soul, just like Judas dealt with greed all of his life 
And then one day for 30 pieces of silver, he betrayed Jesus over to the Romans to be crucified. Sin can do that in your life. Paul says be careful of it. But let me mention this idea of weights. Now when we talk about weights, uh, weights are not things that are bad, but uh, think about a hobby that you become a little OCD with. Anybody have any of that going on? A little OCD in your hobby? Two honest people, you and I, well, God bless you, dear. We're the only two honest people in this church. Most people, the more money they get, the more time they get, the more they want to put into enjoyable things in life. And that's not a bad thing, but what it can do is it can keep you from serving the Lord. It's actually even God's financial blessings, as good as they are, can get your life so busy doing other things that before you know it, you're out of church, you're out of serving the Lord, you still believe but weights have come in and they pulled us aside. He says, watch out for that because when you appear before the Lord, I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to be smiling at me. I don't want him to be saying, you just barely made it by the hair of your chinny chin chin, son, but, but you're in. I want Jesus to look at me and have a big old smile, don't you, Pat, and say, well done, sis. I'm glad you made it here. Wouldn't it be cool if Jesus came back and you were doing your ministry? You know, I, I mean, I thought about this yesterday and I've been doing a lot of social social media, a little, little minute or two minutes on all the major platforms, doing one every day and uh, talking to people about Jesus. And I, I'm going to record some more Tuesday. And I thought, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if Jesus came back while I was recording those things? <laughs> no, come on now. Because there's other things that we could be doing. There's places we could be going to doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Come on. And he could come back. So that's what he's saying here. And this word race, he says, run your race with endurance. Uh, in our first service, have we, has anyone ever run a marathon in, in, in the group today? In the back there, real high. How many miles did you run? How many? 31 miles. Would you stand up, please? I don't, even, I don't want to embarrass you. Now look at it. 31 miles. Some of us take 31 steps from the bedroom to the kitchen and get tired. She ran 31 miles. That's what the Christian life is like. It's not a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon race. And, and Paul even said this. I, the scripture is not on the screen, but Paul said, I've finished my race. I've kept the faith. And now there's stored up for me the crown when Jesus comes back. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Well, how do we keep going when it's hard? Because if it's not hard today, it will be hard one day. Look at verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured. There's our word again. And what was joyful? That cross was the most painful experience any human being has ever experienced in the history of the world. There was no joy in the cross. You know what the joy was? One day getting to spend eternity with you and I. The joy was one day your father, your mother, your grandparent, your son, your daughter who believed in Jesus, one day knowing that you're going to get to see him again. Come on now. Heaven, listen, the Bible says, and it doesn't teach us a lot about heaven, but it does say this, I has not seen Ear has not heard nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. 
Now, I don't, again, I don't know what it's going to be like, but you know what? Not only is there going to be a real place called heaven, the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Now, what's going to happen on this new earth? Well, all the pollution is going to be gone. We're not going to have to be worried about the green problems anymore. But I wonder if we'll be fishing in heaven. Uh, somebody hopes so. Uh, what's a bit, Lake Fork equipment. What does that say? 22, 24-pound bass. You know, if you like to be a bass fisherman. How would you like to go bass fishing with Jesus? How would you like if Jesus says, come up to you one day and say, come on, you and I are going bass fishing. How many know he knows not only where the 25-pounder is, he would know where the 26-pounder is. And he would know what lure to use to get that fish. Now, I'm laughing just a little bit, but we have no idea what heaven's going to be like. I do think there's going to be no limit on turkey or ducks. I think there's going to be no season. I think there's going to be no game wardens. I, I, I don't know how all that's going to work out. But, but I, I guess I'm, I'm being facetious, a little funny here. But listen, friends, heaven is indescribable. And sometimes we have to go through some difficulties, but nothing on this earth is worth missing what God has for us. Keep your eye on Jesus. The joy was us. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. Think about Jesus. Listen, friend, and, and, and this has to do with some willpower too, but I want to tell you this. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you. And if you and I have to suffer one day for Christ or you and I have to go through some difficulty, when Linnell went through that cancer surgery that she had to go through, I'm telling you what, Jesus was with her every step of the way. She faced it with a good doctor, but more importantly, she faced it with the great physician. Did she want to do it? No. But she knew that that was the, the right way for her to go to come out on the other side. Now, let me close with this, and I think this is the most important part of the message. How do I develop faith like this? How do I develop persevering faith that will allow me to do anything? I want to give you three things that are all from the Bible, and they may seem simple, but they are profound. Here's the first one. Spend extra time in your secret place with God in prayer. Now, what do I mean by that? I want you to think of Jesus before the cross. He's just been with the disciples. Jesus ate his last meal with the disciples in the upper room he'd ever eat on earth. He would not sleep that night. I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I, I like, you know, I have kombucha and I like sparkling drinks and stuff like that. And, you know, after dinner, I might, I might, uh, Jesus didn't have anything like that. All, it was all hardship coming up, up, up for him. And you know what he did? He went to pray. The Bible says he knelt down and he prayed and said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of suffering for me. In other words, it was hard for Jesus to go to the cross because he knew not only would he suffer physically, but he knew he'd be separated from his father. But then he said this, I still want your will to be done, not mine. And then an angel came and strengthen him. You say, well, would an angel came to come to strengthen me? I don't know that you'd need an angel because you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. And the Holy Spirit comes to comfort us, to strengthen us, to guide us. And I'm telling you, friends, if you have to go through pain or suffering or heartache or difficulty as a Christian, I'm telling you, God is with you and he will not forsake you. Somebody say, praise the Lord. But listen, nobody can pray like this but you. You can request a prayer on Facebook and get some praying hands, 
but nobody can get into the garden and do this kind of praying for you, but you. Here's the second one, and this was huge for me. Uh, reading God's word and hearing his voice. You say, well, that's kind of simple. No, it saved my life. I want to tell you how. Um, verse Romans 10, in the context of salvation, but the application is, is much broader. Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What does that mean? That means there's some supernatural power in this book called the Bible. Now, in my own life, I've shared this story. After Linnell's cancer, I started battling with panic attacks. Uh, there were times I'd go to the grocery store, one time in particular at Albertson's, and my cart was half full, and I just felt this overwhelming feeling. I wasn't worried about anything. When I say anxiety, I think it's a poor clinical term because it's not worry. But it was just this feeling that I'm about to fall off a 100-story building that would live with me from the time I got up in the morning to the time I went to bed at night. And the only time I could find peace was when I would sleep at night and I could sleep. It was horrible. I took three months off the church. Pastor Mike led the church during that time, did a superb job. I didn't think I'd come back into the pulpit. And I'm just trying to tell you, you may say, well, you were weak. Well, yeah, I was weak. I was so weak I couldn't handle it. But let me tell you what helped me. Now, listen, I went to doctors. I still go to doctors. I saw psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors. They all helped me to a degree. But none of them ever gave me a Tylenol for a headache and made it go away. Let me tell you what I had to have. I had to have the Bible and I had to have the Word of God. Philippians 1.6, this saved my life. He who began the good work in you, he will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Who are you talking about? The Lord himself. Basically, what God was saying, when you can't make it, I'm going to carry you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make you strong. And I'm telling you, that scripture saved my life. But I want to tell you something else that saved my life. I heard the voice of God. Now, I don't mean to be spooky or weird, and I don't go around hearing God voices all the time, but I got up out of my bed one morning, and I dreaded, get, I got to be honest with you, it was a period of time that I just wanted to go back to sleep because I wanted to escape all that stuff. But I got out of bed one morning, and I heard this voice, not with my ears, but I heard it with my spirit. When you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. It's the words that Jesus told Peter I immediately recognized after his fall. But what it said to me, like as clear as a bell, was you're going to get up from this thing. You're not going to stay down. You're not going to be destroyed. You're not going to quit. You are returning to me, and you're going to help people. You're going to strengthen people. And I have been preaching the gospel ever since then. I have been seeing hundreds, if not thousands, people being saved here and around the world, giving to missions, helping other people in the struggles that they have. When my wife was in her, her down days with her cancer diagnosis and it was difficult, one day we just rose up within ourselves and said, listen, devil, you hurt us like this. We're going to hurt you back. You hit us. We're going to hit you back and we're going to do that. And then we're going to do that. And then we're going to put you down and then we're going to whack you. Don't mess with the preacher now. I'm telling you. Let me give you one more. And this is important. Not only your prayer closet, not only the Bible and the Word of God, but seeking encouragement from strong believers. Now, I want you to listen to this. First uh, Thessalonians 5, encourage each other and give each other strength. Uh, could one of you ladies get a strength pill out of your purse, please? And I don't mean an upper, okay? I'm not talking about a... 
But, 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 but we, can you give me a strength pill? There's no such thing. Let me read another scripture. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 7. We got to Macedonia. There was no rest. We faced conflict in, from every direction. Fear was on the inside. But God, listen now, who encourages those who are discouraged, encur- encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. What does that mean? The man who wrote two-thirds of this New Testament was down and discouraged. He still believed in Jesus, but his enduring faith had gotten low. And Titus came up to him, and I imagine he said something like this. Brother Paul, God has been faithful to you in the past. He's going to be faithful to you again. God has protected you in stonings and beatings and everything else, and you're not done yet. One day, Paul, you're going to Rome, and you're going to preach the gospel there. And he laid his hands on him, and he said, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that strength would come to my brother. I pray against the demonic powers of evil that are coming against him right now. And I'm telling you, before you know it, something started happening in Paul. He started feeling invigorated a little bit. He started thinking this, you know, I can do it. And I can do it through Christ. And he got himself up. So what do I mean by that? Listen, friends, we need each other in the body of Christ. We need more than a sermon and a song on a Sunday morning. We need friends that can be there for us when we need to be lifted up. Because I'm telling you, friends, we're going to make it to the end. We're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. We're not going to lose our faith. We're not going to walk away from Jesus. We're going to finish strong. How many know? Because the greater one is within us. And listen, he's going to get us to the other side. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's he's worthy of praise.